the Free Speaking Podcast with your hosts, Jared Mintz and Joseph Nardone. Welcome back to the Relatively Speaking Podcast. We are recording on Monday morning. It is February 6th. We are hungover from the Super Bowl last night. We had an incredible game that we're going to get to in a minute. I'm your co-host, Jared Mintz, and joining me on this fine, lovely, not-that-cold winter morning is my buddy Joseph Nardone. Joe, I got two questions for you. One, how was your weekend? Two, did you try cheesecake? One, my weekend was good. It was solid. No complaints. Two, I totally forgot about the cheesecake thing. I really oh, did. I, 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 I totally just forgot. It's like our show means nothing to you. We have this whole long conversation. You get inspired about something you could eat that's fun and different for the Super Bowl, and then it just right out the window, right, right out your ears. I mean, like, why do we even do this? Well, to be fair to me, I am pretty forgetful. For full disclosure, last night we had my in-laws over, and my father-in-law said to my youngest daughter, What's, what are you going to do tomorrow on your day off? I had forgot today she had no school. Otherwise, I would have took her to school this morning. So I'm not exactly the greatest rememberer of things. Awesome. Good dad. Good stuff. All right, so if you didn't have cheesecake then, what was the best thing you ate last night? Well, we ordered Domino's. Domino's? Come on, man. You guys are like, you give me this understanding lately that you're like this Italian family that cooks amazing food and used to run a restaurant, and on Super Bowl night you get Domino's? Well, here's what happens. You get lazy, and then you run out of time. The kids need tubs. And before you know it, it's 6 o'clock, and you're like, well, I don't feel like making food. So you just call the Domino's Pizza Man, and they bring you food. And you don't have to do anything other than give them money. Keeping it real with Joe. If you rewind back to Friday's show, he tells us how he's responsible for food on Super Bowl Sunday, and he's going to cook all these great things. Would you ever lie about it and said I made all these great no, things? No, no. I appreciate that you're keeping it real, man. I appreciate that you're keeping it real. I just, I was looking forward to a good food update to start well, the, our show. Well, the on. problem is tub. It, it was tub night, and when you have to get what the does kids, that even mean? What does tub night mean? Does that mean they get bathed? Yes, when the kids have to get showered and tubbed. You never heard tubbed? No, man. I'm not. From Oliver, I'm not from like the 1930s. All right, so tub. there's there's a tub, and when they go in them, the 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 action no, of giving them one. Bathing, I understand how bathing works, Joe. What I'm just saying, it's called tubbed, and if anybody thinks otherwise, they can fight me. Unless they're bigger, then I don't want any part of it. So, like, what do you refer to showered as? Rained water cleaning? No, it's all tubbed. They don't even get baths anymore. They get showers, but it's all tubbed. Good things. Tubby right, time. Well. I'm glad that that's I how we announce it. Tubby time, and then they make a face like "boo." Interesting. Well, I'm glad I put off talking about last night's thrilling game to ask you about your food in tubby time. What a <laughs> what a colossal disappointment! But I apologize for putting you on the spot and being a jerk about it. I didn't mean to do that. Regardless, Joe, I'm sure you're in a pretty good mood today because the team you were cheering for to win Super Bowl Fifty One actually won. The player you wanted to see win MVP. One MVP, setting records along the way. Joe, last night the New England Patriots completed the most incredible comeback we've seen in Super Bowl history, and that's not being hyperbolic at all. They were trailing by 25 points in the second half, and Tom Brady did what Tom Brady does and just completed a whole ton of passes. They got some breaks. They made some great catches along the way. That Julian Edelman catch is going to go down as one of the five best catches in Super Bowl history. It was just an incredible win for the Patriots. What did you think of Super Bowl 51? Do you think this is more about the Patriots coming back or the Falcons choking? Where are you at this morning after what we saw last night? Boo, I hate the idea we have to blame someone. So it's not about the Falcons. Me too. Me too. So it's not about the Falcons choking. 
Like, obviously, you could find things and nitpick, but there's just so many plays. I think I think it was Tom, Tom, Tom Brady and Dan Quinn both said it after the game. Dan Quinn was asked, if you could change one thing, he goes, there was 30 things. If any of those things happened, it would be a different story. And Brady said the same thing when he was being interviewed by Terry Bradshaw. That because he was like, oh, what's the exact moment you could feel the turning point? He's like, there was 30, day, 30 things. Um I'm glad you mentioned the biggest comeback. There was only twice in Super Bowl history the biggest deficits were 10 points. That's it. Um, the game itself, though, like, let's be honest, the first half was garbage because Atlanta was just smoking them, and it felt like a blowout. It felt like the game was over, and then the second half happened, and Tom Brady all of a sudden was hitting dudes, and, like, Chris Hogan was coming back to passes, and Julian Edelman made that catch. It was It became really fun when you realize in the fourth quarter that New England was making, like, an actual run. And, like, they just kept getting those two-point conversions. And it was it was fun to watch. Like, I, I got to the point late in the game when I was like, oh, this is going to end up being a tie. This is absurd. And then I thought, like, Matt Ryan was going to, with 57 seconds, go down the field, and they were going to get a field goal. And then I saw the way they were watching the clock and all that. I was like, wow, this is really bad. They should have just kneeled the ball if this is what they were going to do. But... It became that last quarter a really fun game. It, it did mask the other, the, the otherwise first three quarters, which were pretty trash. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. At the same time, you know, you're talking about how it was a blowout in the in the first half. I mean, I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed watching the Falcons get up early. But in the same token, I never sat there thinking, "Oh my God, the Patriots are going to get crushed tonight." I kind of was just watching the game, waiting for the comeback to start. Did you have that feeling too, or were you kind of convinced? wow, the Falcons are going to surprise everybody, they're going to shock the world, and they're going to beat the Patriots by 35 points tonight. I thought midway through the third quarter, that's what I thought. I was like, oh, this game's over. And then it wasn't until the fourth quarter it started to register that New England had a chance to come back. Like, I I mean, it was kind of absurd the way they came back. They had no business coming back because everything they did to, like, sneakily come back wasn't working. It was the turnover after Dan Quinn decided not to run the ball. And after the sack, there's the hold. That deal towards the end of the game, it was also the fumble, like I just mentioned, like, like I think about the 50-yard line or whatever, 40-yard line. Um, it was a lot of unplanned, unscripted things that kind of just fell towards New England's favor that really helped them get back into the game. So, yeah, it wasn't – I didn't never – I didn't think they were going to come back. It wasn't – it very literally wasn't until they got the first touchdown with the two-point conversion that I was like, oh, man, they might come back. Then when it yeah. went into overtime, after they won the coin flip, I was like, game. Yeah, it was hard to feel good about Atlanta's chances after that happened. Interesting thing I saw, Patriots had a .4 win probability with nine minutes left in the fourth quarter. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that should really kind of give you an idea of how just ridiculous their comeback was. You know, I'm, I'm making this thing where, like, I'm not shocked the Patriots come back because I'm a lifelong Jets fan, and I just see this team do this constantly. They're never out of games. They really aren't. I mean, it, it kind of felt watching that game like the 2006 AFC Championship game where Peyton Manning led that ridiculous comeback for the Colts over the Patriots who were up something like 20 points in the second half. And it was just like you knew that they were going to keep making these big completions. You knew they were going to keep getting the two-point conversions. You knew the Falcons' offense wasn't going to be able to do anything. I mean, to me, actually, the most surprising thing was the Falcons' defense was playing really stout for the first three quarters of this game. If Tom Brady got sacked last night, I mean, they were doing all the things we were talking about on Friday that they'd have to do to be successful. 
This was a, a bad run defense during the season. Legarrette Blunt didn't have any success on the ground against them. I mean, they just they they really it looked like Dan Quinn had drawn up a really good game plan to to stifle Tom Brady and to make the Patriots uncomfortable. And that's all going great. And then you know, crunch time hits, and the Patriots do what the Patriots do, and Tom Brady shows you know that he's still one of the best quarterbacks in football, if not the greatest quarterback of all time. I mean, we're we're watching that game last night, and the people who I was watching with were saying, you know, Brady looked a little off. He looked like, like he was just overthrowing some balls. He looked uncomfortable in the pocket. And then, you know, when it's when it's crunch time, when the lights come on, the guy doesn't miss a pass, and he, you know, stayed in the pocket tough. It just, it was a great performance by Brady. Joe, do you do you think that was one of the better quarterback performances you've seen in the Super Bowl? Yes, I do. I want to allude to something that in the first. Three quarters, the big thing was the four-man pass rush, like you mentioned, alluded to. That was a big part of the deal because then they were able to drop back. I think when, and it was pretty evident on that one that one series when the dude got called for holding like 900 times, when it became evident that number 34, I don't know his name, for Atlanta was just basically um, loving players with his hands and kept getting called for holding calls. That was part of their success. And then that, when that part became an aspect of Atlanta's defense they could no longer do because the referees were going to call it, it kind of eliminated that four-man pass rush, and that's why Tom Brady started having so much time in the pocket in the fourth quarter. So I don't think it was anything that Dan Quinn failed to do strategic-wise. I think what ended up happening is if your four-man pass rush can't get to Brady, he's going to dissect you and destroy you. And in the first three and a half quarters or whatever, the four-man pass rush got there, in part because the pass rush was good, as well as, you know, number 34 was just molesting dudes. And then when that that became no longer part of Atlanta's strategy because they couldn't do it anymore, uh, New England just started to destroy them. Um, As far as Brady goes, yeah, I can't – listen, I don't want to get hyperbolic with it and say, like, it was the greatest quarterback performance of all time because, like, I'm sure I'm not remembering other really great quarterback performances – um, but it's hard to argue against it today because of the comeback, because how precise and dominant. He was dominant in the fourth quarter. And then that overtime drive where he was just like pluck, 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 and went right down the field like it was no big deal. Like I said, like I, as soon as they won the coin toss, I knew that that was, that was the end of the game. Yeah, yeah, it was hard to feel confident after that. I, I actually, I mean, I didn't realize how good of a game he was having until the game was over. I mean, obviously watching the end of it, you know, he was, like you said, dissecting the defense and he looked great. Uh, I wasn't looking at the box score during the game because I was watching a little bit behind because we were rewinding for commercials, um, <laughs> which I'm sure a lot of people were doing, even though, yeah, say what you will about last night's commercials. Um, but I didn't realize how good of a game Brady had until it was over. He threw for 466 yards, which was a Super Bowl record. He threw 62 attempts, which were the most attempts in Super Bowl history. To you, though, Joe... Which was the better catch of the night? Was it the Julian Edelman catch in traffic that's bouncing off defenders' legs and feels like one of those Madden catches that you can't believe actually gets made? Or was it that Julio Jones catch on the mm. sideline where he kind of knocked the ball down with his hand, grabbed it, and, and was still able to maintain possession while falling out of bounds? Well, the Julio Jones catch is more skill and dominance and player ability, while the Edelman catch had a lot to do with luck. I felt like that Edelman catch, my, the immediate thing popped in my mind was, well, the football gods owed them from David Tyree. You know what I mean? That right. was my that was my immediate thought. The Julio Jones catch when he first caught it, I was like, yeah, that's not a catch. And then, I mean, I did think the same thing with Edelman, too, that that wasn't a catch either. Um, props to that official for being super pumped and doing the catch sign. He knew it so right pumped. away. 
He was. Oh, oh that was his moment, man. That was like his WrestleMania moment. Um, but the, the Julio Jones catch was the better catch. Like it's not memorable now because Atlanta lost, and it's not as fun to watch as the Edelman catch. These Edelman catch is absurd, but the Edelman catch had a lot to do with luck. Um, the Julio Jones one was all skill. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I kind of just was amazed by that Julio Jones catch. Julio had a pretty decent game, too. Were there any controversial calls to you last night, Joe? There was one to me that I kind of felt could have gone the other way, but but for the most part, I felt everything was good. I didn't I didn't love that pass interference call uh, from Martellus Bennett in overtime at the goal line. But at the same time, I mean, the Patriots were going to score no matter what there. Well, I mean, that dude's arm was all over him. So it, I, it was. It was. I mean, you can, you can say you don't want the officials to decide the game because then you're putting the ball in the one-yard line and the game's over at that point. So I could get that argument, but you can't, like, just let that one slide. Yep, absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, Because I totally get it. Like, if I'm a Falcons fan, like, you can't make that call because that decides the Super Bowl. Although I think everybody kind of agrees that doing those is going to score no matter what. The problem is, though, that guy's arm was looking. Because he, as soon as he threw it, I was like, oh, Bennett's going to turn around and catch it. And I thought he was still going to catch it. Um, and the only reason he didn't was because that guy's arm was on his body. So right. the the options the ref had was to do a no call on a play that would have been a touchdown catch had that guy not interfered. So I don't think it was really that controversial. I could get why you'd be upset if you're a Atlanta fan. Other than that, I actually thought my wife commented to me like late in the fourth quarter. She's like, and she was going for Atlanta because she really hates Tom Brady. She hates teams that win a lot. And she's just like, there's really been no real controversial calls. Like, stop, you're jinxing it. But, uh, yeah, I, nothing really stood out to me. I know, like, some – I mean, if you want to be really picky, the people – I mean, early in the game, my wife was complaining about number 34 for kept getting called for the holding. I'm like, but he is holding. I mean, like, just because you don't like the outcome of the call right, doesn't, doesn't mean – any- yeah. yeah. So other than that, like, nothing else really stood out as far as controversial calls. I think, if anything, like – and we both mentioned that we don't like doing it. Like the most you could do is bash Dan Quinn for not running the football late when they could probably settle for a field goal, and that re- resulted in them falling out of field goal range because they got sacked and then a holding call, and then leaving Tom Brady with a lot of time. But even then, he was going with what his his best player, the MVP of the league. I don't think he could really second guess that. Right? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. you could because you're second guessing the result. Had he completed the first pass of the, the drive, nobody would like we'd be a different narrative this morning. We're just playing the result for sure. And you know, it just it, it feels crazy that a team could kind of blow a twenty five point lead that the Patriots could score thirty one points unanswered. Which, by the way, thirty one three one. Don't let this distract you from the fact that the Warriors blew a three one lead. Blah blah blah. I don't know if you've seen those jokes everywhere. I have. I didn't right go on Twitter before. at all last night because I knew it would be a poop show. Yeah, I, I actually avoided Twitter too, which is kind of what I wanted to get into now. Last night, I mean, the, the best team in football all season won the Super Bowl. They came back. It was an amazing comeback. I'm not taking anything away from them. But just wa- watching that game, and even though they came back and, you know, were down 25 and won in amazing fashion, I just don't feel like blaming the Atlanta Falcons at all today. And I, I don't know if it's a Twitter thing, and I don't mean to be crotchety, but I just kind of hate that every championship game or every big game, we're focused less on the team that won and focus more on the team that lost, especially if they had a lead or it looked like they could have won at some point. Like, I kind of just hate that we do this. This isn't a bad tweet. We'll get into bad tweets in a minute. 
well, this is a factual bad tweet, but somebody tweeted last night, Matt Ryan with the worst MVP team meltdown than Dirk versus the We Believe Warriors. And it's just like, how do you fix your face to say that when Matt Ryan completed 17 to 23 passes last night and didn't throw an interception all night? Like, Matt Ryan played really well. They didn't lose because Matt Ryan didn't play a good game. It was just the type of thing they couldn't get a stop against the Patriots. And I hate that, you know, this has turned instead of, oh, my God, the Patriots did the unthinkable to, oh, my God, the Falcons are chokers, Dan Quinn's a choker, Kyle Shanahan doesn't deserve a job. Like, we're just – people took this to, to such a crazy place, and it's what they do after every single championship. Well, what are some of your thoughts on that, Joe? I hate it. I Like, I want to just leave a sporting event, especially the big ones, and not have the need to be like – just – because you, you could always find, no matter what game, it could be a, a, an NBA game tonight, it could be a college basketball game tomorrow, it could be a baseball game in early June. Like, you could always find one play and point to that as the reason the team lost and say, what a bunch of chokers or whatever. Um, it's just playing the result. That's all it is. Like, New England made a really big comeback. Matt Ryan played phenomenal. Uh, Julio Jones, Devontae Freeman, they all played really well. They, their bad defense couldn't get a stop. That's all that ended up happening. I mean, the better team won. It, it, in fact, I think most people before the game assumed Atlanta was going to get smoked. And the fact that Atlanta played as well as they did, and granted, in the fourth quarter, <laughs> over time, they fell apart defensively. Sorry. I don't think that's a knock on Atlanta's character or ethics or ability to not choke or whatever. I think I think people that do that are just... I think a lot of what football is, you can't explore, especially for football. We have no idea what's happening with the, the linemen on both sides of the ball. We have no idea what the routes are happening. We have no idea if the guy's holding or not on on the uh, if they're cornerback or safety, unless it's like shown to us nine hundred times. So like we don't know how to explain why New England won, other than like choke. Do you know what I mean? Like we can say Tom Brady played great, but we have no idea why he played great in the fourth quarter. And we could say Atlanta's defense stunk after being good, but we have no idea why they stunk. I mean, we have a kind of an idea their pass rush, their four-man pass rush wasn't getting there. But it's just a lazy way of saying, I don't know how to explain what I just saw, so people are chokers. Yeah, I, I hate that we do it, too. I hate that it's become the norm. I mean, listen, I'm okay not celebrating the Patriots winning. Don't don't get me wrong. In that sense, from a from a petty perspective, I just I, I hate seeing that, and I hate that that's become the default at the end of games is instead of just like, holy crap, what a comeback. It's LMAO, Falcons. Oh, my God, Falcons fans, you're so dumb. I can't believe that this team did this. How dumb are Falcons fans? It's just it's it's so weird, and I know that we don't need to comment on things that we don't really care for, but, like, it's, it's taken on such a big chunk of, like, sports culture in terms of how people are reacting to what they're seeing. And I just wish that we would do less of a, you lost, how pathetic of you, than a, yeah, I mean, that was a great comeback. And I, it's incredible that they did that. And, I mean, obviously, again, part of that is the Patriots, and people don't want to talk about the Patriots being great. But at the same time, I mean, the Falcons offense, I just... I don't really know what they could have done that much better as a whole last night to, to have been in a better position to win that game. And all you're seeing is Matt Ryan choked. And it's just, I don't think that could be further from the truth. Matt Ryan choked last night. I'm a bazillion percent with you. I can be right. more with you if I was connected to your hip, my friend. Interesting. Interesting. We'll talk more about connections a little bit later. But before we get into that, Joe, hit the bad tweets music. She'll make your money. Try MJ memes with the side of some racism. Many hot takes. 
Um, bad tweets. Thanks right. for blowing your nose during the bad tweets music. I tried to do it when we uh, when we had a little bit of silent time. All right, Joe. Our first bad tweet today. Both are reactions to the Super Bowl. First bad tweet is from it's Joey underscore Madoff. Joey Madoff tweeted last night at nine thirty three. Summer Bernie. I want to say it's sometime in the late third quarter. I don't think he's the son of Bernie, but hey, maybe he could be. He tweets, take away Moss and Gronk, and Tommy isn't all that. So, yeah, that that happened just before Tom Brady was, in fact, all that last night. Yeah, it's not like we have like the last like nine games of the season to see him still be dominant without Rob Gronkowski either. Or every other single season when Gronk goes out. I mean, it, it's become an easy narrative that the Patriots just can't win without Gronk, but Gronk's hardly healthy. I mean, listen, he's he's a Hall of Famer five seasons into his career, five injury, you know, riddled seasons into his career, or however long he's been in the NFL. But still, Tom Brady gets it done regardless of who's out there, and he's shown that time and time again. Yeah, t- totally. Like, it, it's another one of those lazy things where you don't know what. That has nothing to do with trying to explain the game. You're just like, it's a whole narrative-driven thing that's not even factual. Right. All right, Joe, be brave. All facts. Um, this one's from... At Boston Police. Spoiler, that's the Boston Police Department. Hashtag. It is, it is their official account. They have 450 followers or so. Okay, so th- let's be careful with this one, though. Don't get ar- so don't get arrested for making fun of them. Yeah, right? We just won't go to Boston. Hashtag, hashtag Boston Shrine. When they suspended TB12 for four games, they didn't just disrespect the greatest QB of all time. They insulted a region. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a special tweet. That's that's incredible right there. I mean, listen, I'm sure that really resonates with a lot of people from Boston and from Massachusetts and New England. I'm sure Mark Wahlberg was probably there, you know, telling them to tweet that or something like that. It seems like something he'd say in a movie or something. I don't know. But uh, yeah, imagine that's, having so much of your sports identity from or how, how, so much of your identity from sports that like your police department's tweeting out stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, it, I'm sure there wasn't any crime happening in the area last night that they can, you know, be tweeting about being disrespected. Well, not, by even, not only that, but I mean, just think about it. Like, think about, like, imagine, like, you live in New York. You're, like, imagine, like, one of your favorite New York teams tweeting out something like that. And you'd be like, dude, my life's far more important outside of sports to, like, get, right. to get upset over a player being suspended for four games. Yeah, it was, it was pretty Trumpian of them to, like, look at what's happening and being like, oh, look at this. This is sad. How sad. Well, that's what I thought of. Like, how do you, uh, like, how do, every time a guy gets suspended, it's disrespect to your region? What are you? Like, what are you, five? What's your sensitivity level? Yep, must must be. So, yeah, that's, that's how we wrap the Super Bowl. Joe, anything else you want to say about the 2016 NFL season that, that we now put away in a shoebox and put somewhere in the closet? Uh, no. Goodbye, NFL. Hello, college basketball. Absolutely. Very excited for that. But before we say goodbye to the NFL show, just the last thing in regards to them, Saturday night we we had the MVP announced. It was Matt Ryan and the other NFL awards announced. Didn't really care too much about that or to talk about that. I I assume you feel the same way. Correct. Awesome. Also announced on Saturday night was the 2017 NFL Hall of Fame class. This year we have LaDainian Tomlinson, Kurt Warner, Terrell Davis, Kenny Easley, Jason Taylor, Morton Anderson, and Jerry Jones getting into the Hall of Fame. I don't know if you noticed, but missing from that list and missing from the list the last couple of years is a player who's second in the NFL in career receiving yards, third in the NFL in career receiving touchdowns, 
Uh, he led the NFL in touchdowns for three seasons, and he was a five-time AP first-team All-Pro. Joe, of course I'm talking about Terrell Owens. How's T.O. not in the Hall of Fame, and how do they keep getting this wrong? Is, is the Football Hall of Fame trying to be like the Baseball Hall of Fame here, being being stupid and petty? What do you think, Joe? Uh, yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Now, it's different because, I mean, Barry Bonds is kept out also because of the steroid cloud, but a lot of it has to do because reporters don't like him. But Terrell Owens, think, like, listen, Terrell Owens... For all the off the field shenanigans, which was him like, like attention on me thing, he which never was him like him liking himself and promoting his brand and yeah, know, which we all do on Twitter now old. anyway. Right. Um, he didn't do anything wrong. He never got arrested, and the fact that like, listen, I'm not gonna say he was more just dis- like more deserving than whoever made it this year or whatever. That's all whatever. But like, he should be in the Hall of Fame. It's pretty clear that he's one of the greatest receivers of all time. And he got a lot of those numbers before the NFL became super pass-heavy. Do you know what I mean? Like, just ridiculous pass-heavy. So, like, it's not like he just was, like, with Tom Brady all the time and just catching 100 billion balls a game because that's what they do. No, he played with some iffy quarterbacks, some good ones as well. I think he elevated McNabb. The whole idea, he didn't play good in big games. He was hurt in the Super Bowl and balled out. Yep. So I don't really know what the argument against him is. I don't. Like, somebody would have to, like, explain it to me because anything I, I think, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think every kind of thing that would be used against him is all narrative and false and stupid. Yeah, I mean, listen, in terms of football, what can you say about him that's bad? You, you really can't say anything other than, you know, maybe he was a detriment to his teams from an emotional standpoint. But, you know, it's not like in his prime he was ever on one of the worst teams in the league where he was like a stat patter who, who was awful or anything like that. I mean, he was always playing for relevant teams. He always played a relevant role for them. He did help the Eagles get to the Super Bowl and get over that hump of being, you know, four straight NFC championship games or whatever it was. I mean, Ty- Terrell Owens was a, was a great NFL player, and it's, it's unbelievable. I know that there's high standards for wide receivers, or really all NFL players, to get into the Hall of Fame. I mean, listen, it's, it's the Hall of Fame, but I, I can't think of any receiver – that would deserve it more than Terrell Owens. And I, I, I think, you know, obviously what fans think has nothing to do with voter selection process, but, like, fans think guys who are really good, like, should get in immediately. I mean, Calvin Johnson retired early, and I think most people are like, yeah, he's a no-brainer to get into the Hall of Fame. T.O.'s got, like, double the numbers across the board that Calvin Johnson has, and I don't know when we're going to see him get in. Like, is this the type of thing that they're just going to make him wait a certain amount of time, you know, out of out of being petty because he was mean to them in the locker room or because he had a big ego. Like it like you said, this just this isn't based on football. This is all based on off the field, which to me makes the story about the writers and not about the players, which makes these Hall of Fames bogus to me. Oh, I'm totally with you. One, I I, I the NFL Hall of Fame is not as bad as the baseball Hall of Fame. But Whenever something like this happens, you nailed it on the head. It becomes about the writers and whoever has a vote, and that's just not what that's this is supposed to be about. And like, it's just it does to a degree make make the Hall of Fame invalid. Now the thing is, like me personally, like I don't need like I'm a Denver fan. Terrell Davis is one of my favorite players ever. I never needed him to be in the Hall of Fame to be like, yep, Terrell Davis had a really really good five year run. Do you know what I mean? But if I'm them. I'd be like if I'm if I'm Terrell Owens, yeah, man, I'm 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 pissed. I'm like, what is your reasoning again? Because I did sit ups in Philadelphia, right. and all you people fed on that. Like all those reporters that didn't vote for him, they all fed, they all made money off that. So like, relax, he did you a favor. He should be in the media hall of fame. 
Yeah, he should. I mean, again, there's just there there isn't anything bad you could say about him as a football player. Or that that much about, even as a person, like his issues as a person was all depression and mental illness stuff. It was nothing about him be, actually being a bad person. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like yep. you, you, yep. Might, you might not have liked his antics, but they're all really harmless antics. Yeah, could couldn't be any less harmless. Again, I mean, I understand the the potential aspect of this where you looked at him as a potential emotional drain on his teams, but his teams were always relatively successful, and it wouldn't be fair to say he ever held anybody back. I mean, that's just that wasn't the type of player he was. Sure, he was me first, but who who cares? I really should not take away from him being in the Hall of Fame and the stuff he did off the field, as you keep saying, just wasn't bad enough to be like, yeah, this isn't a good person. It just it's. It's unfortunate that he gets painted in this light. And listen, you know, we're not we're not necessarily saying you know To is a great dude or anything like that. But like, nothing bad enough to to not put feasibly you know a top three to four at worst five receiver of all time in the Hall of Fame. But To kind of had the right perspective about it. He said, you know, it's a joke. It means nothing to me. Everybody that watched football knows I'm a Hall of Fame player, and that's good enough to me, or, or something along those lines. And I mean, it's true. The guys. One of the greatest of all times, regardless of if you're going to put him in a museum or not. Couldn't, again, couldn't agree more. I feel like I say that to end every segment. For sure. You know, there was one thing I left out when we were talking about the Super Bowl before we swap over to absurd questions. No, no, it better be good since you're bringing it back. I am bringing it back. I wrote it on my rundown sheet that I wanted to talk about. I don't think anything got me as excited last night as the Stranger Things commercial. Do you, do you share that sentiment? Was there another commercial that you were more excited about? Or, like, can you just not freaking wait for October to come around so we can get Stranger Things back. Um, totally. I remember, so I, I re-binge-watched Stranger Things the last couple days because they had that tweet, the cryptic tweet, basically saying we're going to have a commercial on the Super Bowl. And I was like, oh, man, I better rewatch it again. And it is as good the second time around as it was the first. And the commercial, I was just like, is it Halloween? Yeah. Because yeah, I can't man. wait. I cannot wait. I'm so jacked, so pumped. Yeah, it's, I can't, it's I, my favorite show since Breaking Bad and Justified, whichever. I can't remember which one ended last. Right, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited for it, too. I, I cannot wait that long. I, I thought it was a good commercial on a night where, you know, the, the commercials didn't really get me. I kind of, I was into the theme of the majority of the commercials last night. With that said, I wasn't, you know, I was moved by a couple of them, but I wasn't sitting there, like, laughing too hard or being like, I got to watch this again tomorrow. I got to show this to people. It just, it was a... I don't know, not 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 the greatest commercial night, but at the same time, I mean, I'm not really one of those people that watches the Super Bowl for the commercials, so... Yeah, me neither. The commercials did stink, though. Fair enough. All right, Joe, let's, let's get Seal back on one more time. Or no, we don't get Seal for this. This is a Joe Nardone special. Joe, hit the Absurd Questions music. Absurd There it is, man. All right, so I actually have two today, so Whoa. I'm going to go first. I'm going to go first, okay? Okay, play the emoji. First question, inspired by Dwight Freeney and Martellus Bennett getting their helmets stuck together last night, if you could make anyone your Siamese twin, who would it be? Christina Ricci. Yeah, that's who you'd be Siamese twins with? You just want to walk around with Christina Ricci? I'm thinking, like, somebody who could feasibly, like, I don't know, upgrade your life, make things cooler for you. Yeah, that sounds about right so far. Could be Christina Ricci. Do you think your wife would be cool with that? I think she'd divorce me if I was a Siamese twin. Really? Wow. Way to call your wife out and call her materialistic and say she doesn't love you. Well, I mean, make things a little weird. Like, no matter who my Siamese twin was. It might. I mean, I don't know. You guys have been married and together long enough, though, that I would think maybe, you know, having a Siamese twin wouldn't upend that. Who knows? 
Maybe it'd make things more interesting in the bedroom. Maybe it would. I'm saying there's a lot of possibilities here, Joe. I, I want you to be thoughtful in your response. Thoughtful. On a Monday morning. Yeah, no. I mean, I don't know. So I, I was kind of struggling with this question myself. I can't really think of anybody. I was thinking kind of along the lines of like a, a Zac Efron type or somebody like that who's going to go out and party and be pretty cool. And everybody's going to be like, oh, man, they're attached. So that guy must be cool, too. So for some reason, I think Zac Efron's like the coolest <laughs> dude, I guess. Um, Zac like Efron, he, is he still cool? I feel like I, this is a dated cool, Mark. Well, that's the thing. Like, I didn't think he was cool when he was cool, I guess, because, you know, like, what the hell is high, high school musical? doesn't really have any relevance in my life. But um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not trying to make this into a Zac Efron thing, so it doesn't have to be about him. But, like, if, if you think about it. If you were to pair me, not to be all Baywatch-themed here, but if you were to pair me with, like, The Rock, I mean, he's, like, you know, six foot four. 275 pounds, like, of lean muscle, and I'm, like, five foot eight, five foot nine. so I don't think you compare us together. Like, I think it needs to be somebody who's kind of in your ballpark physically. Not to say me and Zach Efron are in the same ballpark physically, but height-wise, I feel like we're probably closer than I am with, like, The Rock or, like, you know, LeBron or somebody like that. I mean, Richie's probably a lot shorter than you, so you're, you're going to have to stoop a little bit. Well, no, it depends where we're connected. Like, if we're not connected, if, she, if she's connected to my hip, but it's, like, her torso area or whatever and so be it who would you not want to be connected to almost listen i love comedians but almost any comedian why what's that about because i don't need somebody that's always on do you know what i mean like always trying to be funny but what if they're not what if comedians just do that professionally that's the type of thing like nah it's not i don't have a good metaphor here all right fair enough the only comedian i think i give the the exception to is probably bill burr because i don't think bill burr is always on i think bill burr is kind of just bill burr and the does well for comedy purposes. I wouldn't be surprised if 95% of comedians aren't always on, but I, I digress. All right, Joe, what do you got today? Oh, you're going to say the second part of the absurd question? To close yeah, up? yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah but- mine's, mine's pretty pretty easy. So now Tom Brady has five Super Bowls. He is probably the greatest quarterback of all time. He's 39 and incredibly good looking. He looks like he's 28. Would you boink him? You know... I'm going to make myself sound weird here, but this is kind of like a long-running conversation with my friends and I. And, uh, oh, man, it wouldn't come from a place of wanting to. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But, but it asked. <laughs> well, here's the thing. So I don't want to be, like, that weird about it. Who is who is the receiver in this in this scenario? It, it could be pick or choose. You could get okay. I don't. I don't know that I care either way. I, I don't – actually, that's – I don't know, man. I hate when you put me in this position because I just feel like I'm sounding stupid and apologizing for myself in advance all the time. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I think I might. I think I might just say I did. Right, I don't know. exactly. Like, right, but I don't. I don't physically want to in any way, shape, or form. Like when I ask that question, it's not because there's a desired outcome there. I just, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think I might have to. But like, imagine like in 20 years, telling your kids, or in 40 years, telling your grandkids, when you're talking about the greatest quarterback of all time, who also happened to look like a model. Yep, I gave it to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's basically, like, because my answer is the same for you. Like, it's not a physical thing. It's like, basically, I just want to be able to say, yep, me and Tom Brady, 2017, right, right after the Super Bowl, you know? He's Jeterian, if not eclipsing Jeter here. And I think Jeter was probably, like, the last person you could have that conversation with and be like, yeah, yeah, I probably would, even though, you know, it's like, I don't want to, but I probably would. Like, if he, like, had, like if Tom Brady, like, knocked on your door, and he's like, hey, you know, can I come up? You're going to say, yeah. Right. It's it's like caviar, where it's like, yeah, I don't necessarily know that I want to eat caviar, but, like, I would love to say that I ate caviar. 
So maybe I'd, I'd try it. I I don't know though. I I guess the answer here is yes. Yeah, I'm I'm no I'm with you. I it I, you put it in a very proper way where I don't think you really you were doing it unfair by putting the caveats in front. I think one it's worth noting the caveats because you don't want to come off easy. You know what I mean? Like you're a man, you have standards, and um, you're no floozy. And no. Um, but at the same time, like yeah, it's Tom Brady. Like listen, like it's not like being like hey, you know that defensive coordinator for the Patriots. We're not asking that. We're asking Tom Brady. I mean. He's re- that the Jeter comparison's great, because um, you know in Boston, like Mark, both Wahlbergs, um, all those guys, Lenny Clark, they'd all do it. I didn't real. I had no idea who Lenny Clark was before yesterday. What? Uh, Who's Lenny? Never What's he from? He's a he's a pretty famous comedian. Um, but he used to be in Rescue Me, the show no, Rescue I Me. Did, I did not watch Rescue Me. Oh, okay, but he's, a, he's otherwise he's a pretty famous com- comedian. He's like Dennis Leary's buddy. But he's really, he say, is funny. He's funny, though. I was, I was going to say, I'm surprised we didn't get any Dennis Leary yesterday. That was, that was surprising to me. Yeah, but doesn't Dennis... Like, I know Leary's a Boston guy, but doesn't he have, like... Well, no, he, never, that wouldn't matter. But, yeah, I know Dennis Leary. He's a, I think he's a Fox guy, too. Doesn't he have uh, Arnish shows on FX and stuff? I would I would have thought he would have been there last night. No, that's a good point. Um, he Maybe he was too busy doing voiceovers for Ford commercials. Maybe could could be sounds sounds about right. I like that you also like proposition that as a I want to be able to tell my grandchildren that I did. <laughs> like that was kind of like the kicker for you. Like, well, think yeah, about what, how progressive we are now as a nation. I know we're in turmoil, but we're mostly progressive. And like in forty years, man, people are just gonna be running around naked and nobody's gonna care. Right, you're probably right about that. I, I actually had that thought too. That by the time we do have grandkids, it'll be cool to tell them that story, like in all aspects, probably. It might even be a big deal by them. They're like, "Oh yeah, so did I." You know what I mean? Like, it might not right. be. A big deal. But probably not Tom Brady. They're probably not going to know who Tom Brady is. Actually, they're going to look at Tom Brady the way we look at, like, not even Johnny Unitas, but like, like Walter Johnson or like some early 1900s baseball player or something. No, maybe like a Walter Payton. Maybe, maybe. Well, well, we'll see. We'll see how far away we are from grandchildren. Hopefully, we're both we're both pretty far I away. I know, like, like, because you know, like, like recency bias is real. Like, it really is. And sure. uh, like Jordan, and we have Tom Brady, and uh, like, like, are we gonna like in thirty years? Are they gonna like just like not be things? Right. Like, so, like I the mean, way they, they are now, like, like Tom, like this morning, the argument's gonna be. Is Tom Brady the greatest quarterback ever? And like I said on Friday, I think he he's in that discussion, and now it's kind of hard to deny it. But like it's easy to have that conversation this morning because he literally just won the Super Bowl. Like three weeks ago, people were still saying like Aaron Rodgers is the greatest quarterback they ever saw, and all this stuff. Like in forty years, it's going to be like Larry McPoopy McPants is the greatest quarterback ever, just because like you know he won seven games in a row or whatever. Right, yeah, I mean, people already kind of do it with regards to Michael Jordan, and I mean, if you're a kid and you didn't get to see Michael Jordan play, you probably think that people embellish talking about how great he is, or you just worship at the fountain of Michael Jordan because people have told you how great it is. It's tough, I mean, you don't get to see guys, so like, we have this conversation, and to me, I can't really bring up Joe Montana, because I didn't get to see Joe Montana play, and obviously I can't bring up Johnny Unitas, because I did not see Johnny Unitas play, so it does get regulated, or relegated, rather, to who you actually have exposure to. So, like, yeah, I mean, I'm sure in, like, five to ten years, you're probably going to hear Peyton Manning was overrated and Tom Brady was overrated and and things of that nature. I mean, it's funny. I feel like as time has progressed, like, people like Dan Marino get thrown into the conversation more than they were when they were actually playing. You know, it, it, it is one of those weird things. So, yeah, I'm sure in due time, 
Tom Brady will either be overrated or not the actual greatest because, <laughs> you know, Mitch Trubisky or whoever it's going to be will be the greatest quarterback of all time. Yeah, I, I always just find it – it's always – for me, like, it's usually more interesting for me with basketball with the Jordan stuff because I think Jordan became, like – because, like, I don't think anybody actually thinks Babe Ruth's the best baseball player ever, but he's probably the most famous name in baseball ever. I feel like Jordan kind of benefited from those Nike ads to a large degree where you couldn't, like, that's really where he cemented himself because those commercials were awesome and you were just like, yeah, he's definitely the best. And uh, I think it's like, I don't know, man, like, because you can't bring up a conversation, like a nuanced one, to be like, yeah, maybe this guy's a little bit better overall, or like, however you want to do it, without just being like, but no, this guy's the greatest because, and then, like, you can't even do stats because the errors don't, never match and the style right. of the game is so different. So, like, I am interested. Like, I don't want to fast forward 40 years because I don't want to be an old man, but I am interested to see what happens, like, down the line, like, how we look at these guys. Because it's usually whoever has the biggest voice in sports, like the media or whoever and the fans, that dictate who's talked about as the best, the most often. So, like, it's our age group now and a little bit older. So, yeah, it's Jordan and it's Tom Brady. And then, like, when we lose our spot as the biggest voice, Will it be like LeBron and Aaron Rodgers? And when they lose their voice, will it be fictional guy one and fictional guy two? You know what I mean? Right. Realistically, who do you think has like the greatest margin as the greatest ever in their sport? Do you think it's Jordan or, or I mean, not not to not to take hockey out of the equation here. It's probably Wayne Gretzky, but I don't feel like that's a conversation that we're ever really a part of. Is who's the greatest hockey player of all time? So I mean, maybe, maybe like, who's the biggest gap? You mean? Yes. I think. Perception-wise, it's Jordan and everybody else. People just refuse to let anybody even be mentioned the same name as Jordan. As football goes, there's so many positions. Like People always say, like, oh, this guy might be the best quarterback ever, but Jim Brown was the greatest player ever or whatever. I, I think that there's just nobody could ever settle on one football guy. So I'm going to just say Jordan. I'm, and in baseball, I don't even know who people consider the greatest ever. Like I know I consider Barry Bonds the greatest ever, but that's only because I saw him play. But then he's clouded in the steroid stuff. So it's probably got to be Jordan. But your Gretzky point is actually probably the, the right one. Yeah, I mean, I, I asked that question, and the answer is Wayne Gretzky. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, good stuff. All right, Joe, let's let's end the question, or end the question, end the show, on uh, my last absurd question, which, Joe, I mentioned it on Friday. Happy anniversary, man. This is our one-year anniversary of doing the show. Yeah, congratulations. You got the, yeah, you, you got, you got the record podcast with me for a year, man. I know. I got to wake up early on Mondays and Fridays and talk to you first thing. It's, it's been a great experience. I remember after, you know, our first few shows, we kept asking Tommy if we were going to be canceled. And not only were we not canceled, we were given a second show after a while. So shout out to us for, for making it one year. This is big things, good things for us. Proud of you, man. Proud of us. But my question to you here is, what's the most angry you've been with me on the podcast since we started or what's the funniest conversation that you feel like we've ever had doing this show? Oh, well, we've had far more funnier conversations than I actually gotten angry. I, I know we've argued, but I don't think I've ever actually gotten angry with you, ever. That, that's the right answer. Oh. So, funniest, man. That's how early, like the early shows were. I mean, they were kind of a mess because we were still trying to find ourselves, but they were really funny. Because I remember Tommy had to come to us and be like, hey, could you guys start the show with sports? Because yeah. we used to, we the first twenty five minutes of the show used to be nothing. It used to be like pop culture stuff. It used to be whatever we wanted to talk about. It was barely a sports show. 
And uh, I think that's kind of the direction we're headed back towards. But it's, uh, funny, it's funny how much, like, if you were to look at, like, stats of how many times we use certain words over the months, the terms off the rails, it's, it's decreased <laughs> a lot since we first started the show. We'd open up the show off the rails and never quite get back on. Well, yeah, and that's what I, and I still love when we go, like, my my, perp, my role on this show is to keep us off the rails, and your role is to try to keep us on it. I kind of feel like that's the dynamic here, but, um, yeah, I man, to pinpoint the funniest, I feel like some of them had to be deleted, if you remember, in the yeah. editing process, I feel like some of the better oh, moments man. had to be deleted. Yeah, uh, dude, we should, we should do an outtake show. I wish you still had that. That I, I, What you're talking about right now, obviously I can't mention because you'll just delete it again. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, good, good stuff. Good stuff talking about inside jokes. Well, what about for you? Because I feel like there's the funny moments, or I think the funniest were in the early edition, like, even though the podcast is probably better now, better produced, better quality, and more in tune with what we're supposed to be, I do feel like our funniest moments were probably in the first three months. Yeah, probably. I... I Within the last couple months, I think we had a cats or dogs conversation, and it ended with me dropping my only F-bomb in the entire oh, yeah. show, and you, you were talking over it, so I don't think it clearly came out, but I clearly said F-dogs, like I yelled it, and I like just completely lost myself in the moment and forgot that I'm trying to be like buttoned up and not a, a terrible person who curses out dogs on the show. That, that, that stuck out to me. I, I was thinking about, like, when we were doing the Joe vs. Jared segment. <laughs> that we, we did it basically for your father. Yeah, because my dad was like, you guys don't argue enough. People want arguing. That's essentially, like, I don't know, the old man on the set of a TV show talking about something that was cool, like, when he was a kid. Being like, yeah, you got to do this. People love this. I'm um, glad that we stopped doing that. Although, if we still did it, we could probably make, like, some kind of fun, like, Stephen A. Leiden or something. Blake Griffin or something. Oh, like. I love that's one of my favorite moments of TV. Yeah, yeah, that that's good. It was fun making fun of that too. I mean, I don't know. I I know that we've gotten heated a few times talking about like Carmelo Anthony because you put me on the spot and make me feel bad for for calling him a complainer, which you're right to do, and you you should do that. It does give me that perspective that I'm being a little too emotional about things with regards to the Knicks. So I apologize to anybody who's gotten my emotional Knicks take over the years. But, no, there, there wasn't really, like, a one thing that stood out to me, especially, like, angry. I don't really ever get angry with you on the show. No, we've, Maybe, we've known each other for, like, five years now or whatever. I think we've reached a point where we can have arguments and not be angry. Right, yeah. it's it's We have a pretty uh, healthy relationship in terms of that. We we don't go to bed without saying I'm sorry to each other. So <laughs> right. It, it, it works in that aspect. What do you think the over-under is on curse words we said on the air? Uh... I, I would take an under on almost anything because I don't think we've said a lot of them. I think I've I think I've slipped up probably less than like three times, and you're probably under ten. So I would definitely take under. <laughs> I, think, I mean, it happens every now and then. I take under fifteen when we first started. I didn't realize that we couldn't curse on the show, so I think I probably dropped a couple of uh, s bombs or whatever. But like. I, I don't speak like that. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not the type of person who, like, curses every third word or anything like that. So it's not really, like, a difficult unless we're getting heated talking about something. So, like, I, I would take the under on almost any number. If the number was 10, I might take the under on that. All right. So what do you think now? Uh, here's more questions. We'll, we'll keep being self-indulgent here. Um, what do you think? Yeah. What do you think's weirder? The fact that I'm, I'm a college basketball writer by living and we never talk college basketball. Or that we don't really follow other sports as religiously as we do basketball in general. 
that then when we dip our toes in it, that I just completely check out. Um, I didn't know that you completely check out, so I guess that's the weird part because you shouldn't check out on anything we talk about. Oh, but come on, you, you you can when we do NBA stuff, and then when you let me have my college basketball heart minute or whatever it is, like I'm engaged and I'm there, and then whenever we were like football, I'm like, yeah, good football. <laughs> yeah, so and so's good, so and so's bad. Yes. They're good, but they're bad. Because I have no yeah, idea what I'm talking about. No, that, that's not true. But we also like don't do this like let's analyze baseball and football thing. I think we, we try to stay within our wheelhouse aside from not doing enough college basketball. I actually it's so funny. I like have this thought frequently that it's like, yeah, we have to talk more college basketball, but at the same time, like we're just we're not a podcast that necessarily focuses on on-court stuff as much as off-court stuff. And, no, we um, like how the story's happening around Right. Yeah. Un- unfortunately, you know, basketball and football, they really kind of drive conversations with regards to, you know, what's happening off the court and what are the juicy stories. I mean, there's no trades in college basketball. If we're talking college basketball storylines. Unfortunately, a lot of it would have to be coaches, and, you know, we don't want to give that much attention to the coaches. I know you've actually been building a lot of relationships with a lot of D1 coaches. So then we use none of it. We use none of the information I get. Um, What is not your favorite segment music? What is your favorite segment we do? Oh man. Um, You know, the, the longer the show's gone on, the more I feel conflicted that we do bad tweets. I've actually thought about asking you a couple times if we should stop doing it. So do I, I don't feel great about bad tweets anymore. Now that we're on an air brain. Right. Well, that, that, This, this is constructive for everybody. Um, this is like our personal meeting. Come, yeah, come behind. Like, hey, we have our leadership isn't huge, but if they're loyal. We're always consistent with our same numbers, which means our like our listeners. Like, you could always tweet at us and stuff. Like, we know you're there because it's pretty much the same number every week. Um, yeah, come behind the curtain with us as we brainstorm with us. Let us know if you think bad tweets should go up because I think bad tweets is just stuck around at this point because of the segment music. Right, and it's definitely the best segment music. Although the new Seal segment music has kind of taken its its uh, taken its way to the top as the new best segment music, I think. Well, but I think I, I think our ending music's the best music, like lyrically wise. But the Seal stuff is pretty epic, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I my favorite segment's still probably absurd questions. When we have good ones, I think it's really good. I, I like doing AMAs too. I like anything that kind of takes us outside the box and like. You said it on the show the other day that we're getting our fans to just help us create content <laughs> yeah. with, with AMAs, and I mean, it, it's really true, but at the same time, I mean, it's fun. Like, you and I could think of, like, 30 goofy questions a show and just do an Absurd Questions podcast, like, all the time, but at the same time, I mean, I don't think that's why Tommy gave us a platform to, <laughs> to, to talk, because he doesn't, he's not like, oh, man, your, your goofy tweets are great. I want you guys to just talk about goofy stuff all day long. I, I don't think that's what the FanBreak Sports Network had in mind when, when they gave it one of its top college basketball writers and NBA writers a show together, you know what I mean? But, um, oh, you're totally right. My favorite part is absurd questions as well, because I love, I think we, we're our best when we're off the rails, and uh, when we're not, because I think what would happen, so like, even behind the curtain more, Jared does the rundown, we get it, we say yes, 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 or no, or whatever we do, and we try to keep the podcast to a relatively hour-ish length, and uh, I think what happens then is, well, Jared does a ton of prep work, and I really don't, to be honest, but you, you you mentally put talking points in your head, and then when you hit that talking points, it comes off as if you're almost reading a script. Then when you go off the rails, it's just you're just having fun and you're loose, and that stuff just comes off. And I think that's why absurd questions is great because we don't tell each other the absurd questions before before they happen. Right. And then there's always right. like a follow up to the absurd question, like the Tom Brady boinking question we just had became it should have just been like, like it could have been 
just a yes or no answer, but we made it into Michael Jordan and Tom Brady in 40 years. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it, that's the thing. is it, It's fun to go off the rails, and we we enjoy having a free-flowing, relatively natural conversation. I mean, I don't load up a rundown with, like, 15 things, you know, for us to discuss. It's usually, like, four to five topics, and, you know, we can kind of just go from there. Sometimes I'll be really detailed in what I want to get into with the topic, but a lot of the time, I mean, you hear me always be like, yeah, 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 Joe, what do you think? You know what I mean? And it's just like a, it's a good way to keep the conversation going without necessarily having like a pre-scheduled script or like a conversation that like I have in my mind that we're going to have as much as, yeah, these are the things that I want to talk about. These are the points that I want to make. And yeah, man, that, that's how the show goes. But like, like Joe said, we are always open to feedback and uh, we love the AMA questions. You guys do a great job sending those in, even if I have to pester Twitter about it every now and then. But uh yeah, man, it's, it's been a lot of fun through this first year, and uh, hopefully this is year one of a thousand. Hopefully we're... A thousand years? <laughs> a thousand years. Hey, I don't know how long I'm going to be Science and technology picking up. I think we should put it on the poll after this. It should bad tweets be replaced by something, though? Yeah, I, I think that's actually a great idea. But again, any other feedback that you guys have, you know you know my handle, you know Joe's handle. We'll give it to you again in a minute, but uh, always feel free to reach out, man. We love fan feedback. Yeah, seriously, you guys are as much a part of, like, uh, this show is designed for you, and so if you want to see something different or hear something different, let us know, and we'll adjust. Yeah. Because we're not, mar- we're not married to anything on this show, because we've changed multiple times during this, and basically, in the beginning, it was what Jared and I wanted to do. Then it kind of became, we got feedback from the company, so we became more sportsy, and then I think we we're kind of falling back, not falling back, because I think it's a good thing that we continue to go off the rails, but I think we're, we're now of a mix of, like... We're going to give you a little junk in the beginning, sports in the middle, and then a ton of junk at the end. Like fun junk. Junk, <laughs> junk, fun junk. junk sandwich, just the way you guys like it. Yeah. There it is. All right, Joe. Well, I think that's all I have for today. So thanks for putting up with me for the last year. Uh, sorry we didn't do a special one-year blowout show or whatever. We should have done that. We should have like yeah. our biggest fans on. Yeah, our biggest fans. Yeah, that, that would have been a lot of fun. But, uh, yeah, that too. I mean, we're always open to people coming on the podcast and talking about stuff that you're comfortable talking about. So we will reach out to more people moving forward. Let us know if you want us to have more guests on. All I hate having guests, guys. by the way. Put, we're not to put that on the poll, too. Are you okay with the fact Joe hates having guests on the podcast? And let's it be known while we're doing it, even though, I don't know. Oh, well, no, you know, the thing with the guest thing is, if you've never listened to the show, you're walking in blind to what is essentially like a moving, functioning, fully developed dumpster fire that's there on purpose. So then we're trying to conform for them so they're not embarrassed by our stupid questions. <laughs> and then it becomes not our then it becomes not the podcast that it is. Do you know what I mean during that segment? Right. But every every guest we've had on has been like, yeah, I want to do the goofy stuff. I want to do the fun stuff. I'd like that you guys do the fun stuff. I mean, also as you know, we we had Jake on and we had Tommy on, but most most of the time we're not necessarily looking for like reporters to to come on because you know we're not we're not that show we're not breaking news on a podcast you know what i mean so we're 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 looking for fun conversation too exactly that's why i think what we did with josh elberly at the end was the best thing we did which is just rapid fire questions there was like five serious ones and five just really dumb ones and uh the dumb ones are what make it great and he even said that on twitter he's like he really liked that part of the show and i think that's when we do have guests on that's the direction we'll go and uh, more brainstorming on here. I apologize, listeners. <laughs> Good stuff. All right, guys. Well, thank you again for listening to us and for being here, whether whether it's been for the last year or for the last few weeks. 
We appreciate all of the fanfare and all the feedback that we get from you guys. You can follow me on Twitter at Hoops and catch my basketball writing at FanRagSports.com. Joe, tell our good people where they can find you. Uh, also at FanRagSports.com. We just added Raphael Johnson to our college basketball team, former NBC writer. So we're just continuing to pick up steam and be the greatest college basketball section in the history of the Internet. Um, and on Twitter, at Joseph Nardone, N-A-R-D-O-N-E. Woo woo. All around me are familiar websites, worn out clickbait, worn out hotcakes, bright and early for the daily link dumps. No one's clicking, no one's clicking. Their pupils are filling up their pockets, but not for writers. Not for writers. Hide my head, I want to do a slideshow. No tomorrow. No tomorrow. And I find it kind of funny. I find it kind of sad. The internet in which I'm worthless is the best I've ever had. I find it hard to tell you. I find it too hot to take When people blog in circles It's a very, very Mad world